Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We use science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. What'd you do for uh, 4th of July, Todd? For 4th of July, I um, did nothing. I am house-sitting, and at the house I am at has that hot tub lap pool. So (laughs) this entire, I started on the, I think it was July 2nd, and then today is my my last day. And so I've been spending lots and lots and lots of time in the hot tub lap pool. So So do you you put a harness on to keep yourself from you can but it's a wave pool so you can it ha- on one end it has a huge jet and you can turn that on so it creates a really uh, fast current yeah. to swim against and so <laughs> you're steering me somewhere no no, no okay. i'm not i'm just wondering how it works okay <laughs> so you can so if it's going faster than you can swim you can just slow it down to get it. To yeah, the right it goes speed. from yeah one to a hundred, so it can either just be like a gentle a gentle brook or like it got, it goes surprisingly fast. For I was sure. kind of shocked, and it's not quite wide enough for me because I'm very tall and gangly. So trying to do like a a, bre- a breaststroke or the backstroke, I'm just crashing into the walls, and then I feel silly because it's just in a suburban neighborhood and like other things. So I've been. But it's make it nice. a, make it a fool of yourself in a, in a great way. Yes, cool. Fourth uh, of July, we were we were hanging out here. We were gonna have a bouncy house, uh, like a big bouncy house, like sure. a, a castle, right? And as grown uh, adults with no children, you were gonna have a bouncy castle. Totally, totally it was, normal. It was sixty five dollars for the rental, at, but it was seventeen hundred and and sixty nine dollars for the setup. Uh, it's just the cost of inflation. <laughs> so expensive. <laughs> the reason that <laughs> the reason that here's why that jerk joke worked well. <laughs> because when you got to, when you got to the the part where you said about the setup, I was like, oh wait, is this still not the joke? <laughs> So I was momentarily, I'd stopped the car on the joke highway and had to get back in. And so the exit, the exit joke was that much more satisfying. You're so welcome. nice. Uh, well, how have you been doing lately, Mark? Uh, uh, we've been doing well. Uh, work has been super busy. My foot uh, continues to heal well. The timeline is extending a little bit as uh when the day came to put full weight on my foot uh the ankle is fine where the break was but the foot hasn't been used in 90 days and it's freaking out (laughs) and so having 269 pounds put onto it and in all the little bones and the flesh and the things it's going, no, we're not ready for that yet. And then when you, after you put pressure on it and then you release, there's another layer of yeah. pain as the blood goes back in and, and, and does stuff. So, so talking to the orthopedic surgeon and, and they're like, just take your time. Don't, 
don't push past the pain. There's no need for that. Right. Uh, and so what I, I now do kind of a little exercise where I put some of my weight on my arms and kind of squat in, in my, I've, I've got a chair, one of the grandma chairs that, uh, goes yeah. up. And so I put it in the upright position, hold myself oh, up see, with my arms a little bit. And then I step back and forth on oh, my a good idea. feet to give it 80% weight yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's, it's doing significant better, significantly better every day. And so in a few days I should be able to put full weight on wow. it and start to, uh, hobble around with Man. a limp and it it's been four months three months three months so it's solid uh, three and a half months yeah uh, man a living that oh. stinks well and I, I another reason why I, I was i'm not gonna say concerned about how you're doing but and this is not an intervention <laughs> probably should be <laughs> but and it, it's something that has been benefiting me and it is that you now text me way more at I the do. hours between like 1130 and one, which yeah. is fine because I'm usually up by then, but that's you, usually, that's like me texting you at like five in the morning. Right. So, and so I always wonder <laughs> like as much as you share your TikToks and I show, I share my imagers yeah. back at you. So yeah, I haven't been getting to sleep as early, but, um, and then, uh, especially on the weekends, uh, there's just been some really great content <laughs> having difficulties going to sleep with the, with the, the feed of, of addictive, um, TikTok endorphin served directly to your brain pan <laughs> in really a way is. that you like it. It really is. That's and, amazing. Uh, they, they've dialed in the psychology of, of just what you want instant little gratitudes and, and just little interesting little bits that are less than three minutes long. Yeah. And uh, most of them are like 30 seconds long. But a little feed of a cat meowing that everybody's <laughs> playing along with or the... I should hear. Let me take a look. The golf ball that got hit by lightning. Oh, or that one was pretty great. The lady tied up in first class <laughs> and and hogtied and put in with tape over her mouth, and yeah. she's just shouting at people as they go by. <laughs> like that stuff's comedy gold. You can't. Yeah, you I'm can't looking just back now, and yeah, it's all that. those. It's all those videos. <laughs> <laughs> Public uh, freakouts or like uh, an animal doing something hilarious. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that's f- I'm I'm a victim of, <laughs> of TikTok. I'm sorry. Oh, that I, I thought I had, let me check. I think I had one more. We haven't recorded it. So oh, Mark Mark's sleep schedule. Nope, that's it. Okay. <laughs> concern. That's under my concern bio. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been a long time since we've done the market talk, I guess. And I look um, in between shows. I will. I think we've said this many times before, but I'll find a new story and I'll just open a new tab and save it for later until I compile it to a Google Doc. And so I was looking through my open tabs this last period. and There were 35 of them. <laughs> <laughs> So we will not be doing 35 stories. A lot of them, of course, were were topical. Like there was a story about how the um, smart thermometers in Texas were being played with and reset by the power companies during their during their heat wave and stuff like that. Little stuff like that that I cut out. But I do have a nice little collection of stories that I thought we would get into, starting with 
a South Korean toilet that turns excrement into power and digital currency. So using a toilet uh, can pay for your coffee or buy you bananas. All right. At the universe at a university in South Korea, where human waste is being used to help power a building, they designed an eco-friendly toilet connected to a a laboratory that uses excrement to produce biogas and manure. It's called the B V toilet, B E E capital V I, which is a portmanteau of the words B and vision. Well, B V B V. It's but, a BV toilet. Well, uh, the, the portmanteau makes sense. BV, shorting for B and vision. But what in the world do B and vision have to do with porta potties or toilets that turn <laughs> poop into electricity? That's strange. Uh, it uses a vacuum pump to send it. And this must be from a British story because it spells feces my favorite way, which is the F-A-E feces. feces. <laughs> uh, uses a vacuum to put it in an underground tank and... Reducing water waste. Their microorganisms break down the waste to methane, which becomes a source of energy for the building, powering a gas stove, hot water boiler, and solid oxide fuel cell. Uh, quote, if we think outside the box, feces has precious value. I have put this value into ecological circulation, said that this guy. Uh, an average person defecates about 500 grams a day, which as an American means nothing to me. <laughs> Uh, and that can be converted into 50 liters of methane gas. Well, 50, I know what a liter is because that's what Cokes come in. So that I can wrap my head around. Wow. That's a lot a day. 50 liters of methane gas a day. Yeah. Uh, and so think of 500 grams is basically half a liter. Okay. That's gross. <laughs> Uh, the gas can generate 0.5 kilowatt hours of electricity and drive a car for about 0.75 miles. Um, blah, blah, blah. So the guy devised a virtual currency called uh, GGOOL. I don't know how you would pronounce that, but it means honey in Korean. So here's another B-related thing. I wonder, do they relate bees to this somehow? They, uh, they do. Yeah, humans, honey. Is that what no. they refer to faces <laughs> as? I, I don't know. Because <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> they, yeah, they never, re- they, they never close the loop on the, on yeah, the interesting. Part. So students can use a currency to buy, uh, they get, uh, 10 ghoul a day, <laughs> 10 honeys a day. Uh, they could buy goods on campus, uh, like coffee and blah, blah, blah. Quote, I've only ever thought that feces are dirty, but it is now a treasure of great value to me, said uh, one of the students at the market. I even talk about feces during mealtimes to think about buying any book I want, says <laughs> man with no friends, Hyo <laughs> Hyujin. <laughs> so anyway, that's interesting. And I mean, that is is a very... Uh, practical and good idea if you're talking about high density living and buildings that need to be powered and stuff like that. That's yep. an interesting way to use our bio waste. So use all parts. Use yes, <laughs> or everything or, with the tail. Is that what the? Some, I don't know. Now we're using the tail. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you want to read that? Sure. Next one? Biden seeks to lift limits on farmer deals with meat processors and tractor makers. I also saw like there's a bunch of uh, uh, energy company like f- 
oil subsidy subsidies that are that being, were part of this. Yeah, yeah, this is a lot broader that I'll kind of talk about, but yeah, this is focuses on one part of that. So the president wants to give U.S. farmers more power in negotiation negotiating the sale of livestock to big processors and to deciding who repairs their tractors. The White House said on Tuesday, um, "Farmer deals. Oh, oh, tractor makers. This is this is the." I want to fix my own yes, thing. The, um, right, the right, right, to repair. right to repair. The order would encourage the FTC to limit the ability to, of farm equipment manufacturers to prevent tractor owners from using independent repair shops or repairing their own equipment. White House Press, Press, Press Secretary <laughs> Jen Psaki said on Tuesday the effort would help farmers fight back against the abuses of power by giant agribusiness corporations and give farmers the right to repair their own equipment how they like. Yeah. So this is, um, this is a big deal and sets a, a great precedent, uh, in technology as well as Apple has a, a stranglehold on being able to repair any of your equipment. And they, they do kind of one layer of it where they make it impossible to repair. Like the battery replacement is now impossible in laptops because they're all, welded as part of the frame and and everything you just can't Jeez. you can't upgrade your ram you can't upgrade your your hard drive and you can't upgrade or replace your battery without sending it in to do so and then they just replace the whole motherboard uh, because they're all just soldered together tossing and, into a landfill somewhere <laughs> ex- exactly but um <laughs> but yeah if you open up your phone you are violating all of your uh, warranties. You know, warranties and everything so there's a big shift going on nationally about the right to repair your own stuff yeah and i know it's been a big thing um in in the farming industry too because uh, especially with john deere who is sort of like the apple of uh, farming yeah. equipment everybody uses it and they're not especially with so many um, computer and gps all those elements on board um they're not able to do that themselves. So it's an interesting intersection between companies that make things impossible to deal with, but then, yeah. So I feel like that is at least some sort of a win, um, for consumers. So (sighs) next on our wheel of Armageddon, the Pentagon's, Oh, the sword of Armageddon will fly in 2023. So following on the heels of the, um, shock and awe campaign uh, comes the sword of Armageddon, which is the Pentagon's next intercontinental ballistic missile, which will start test flights in 2023. The ground-based, ground-based strategic deterrent missile will replace the existing Minuteman three in the Pentagon's nuclear strike force and provide a rapid response nuclear delivery system that can hit almost any point of the earth within minutes. Uh, but critics of the program say they could save billions of dollars relying on older missiles instead. Um, so it's part of the nuclear triad, which includes B, B2 and B-52 bombers and submarines filled with Trident F- uh, D-5 nuclear missiles. Um, I always like when they call them the IC, ICBMs because it reminds me of ICBMs. <laughs> Which is what falls out of the plane when they jettison what has landed in the toilets. So ICBMs are going to be raining out of the sky one way or another. Uh, so they're looking to do 400 new uh, to replace them. The cost would be $61 billion, billion with a B, over 10 years. 
Um, the GS, GBSD will be armed with the uh, with a thermonuclear warhead, um, blah, 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 which can destroy all of the Earth in seconds, whatever it was saying. Uh, canceling. Oh, so they can either do this. It's They're trying to figure out if they want to build everything new or not everything new. It could, they could do it for like $25 billion, but they want to do $61 billion. So who knows? But there is a sword of Armageddon that will be flying somehow. Each one of those bombs is about uh, just more than 20 times the size of a Hiroshima bomb. Okay. That's what they're trying to get at. 15. Okay, there we go. Jeez Louise. But but they they really set you up for failure there. They're like, it has a yield of 335,000 tons of TNT. Hiroshima had 15 kilotons. And so you also had to convert. <laughs> and that's when I pulled kilotons. the rip. That's when you saw me pull the ripcord in my head when I had to convert something to metric. <laughs> metric and even internal to metric from kilo to, yeah. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, rooftop movie screenings at the Lloyd Center this summer. Yay. Yay. Finally something. Something to Center. use that building for. Uh, movie night in Portland is heading to the next level. The Northwest Film Center is bringing theater to the rooftop. The Cinema Unbound Summer Movie Series kicks off Thursday night at top, on top of the Lloyd Center. Director of the Northwest Film Center, Amy Dotson, and head of Artist Services, Ben Pop, uh, joined AM Extra with a preview of what movies could be seen during the summer. For more information, yeah. buy tickets, <laughs> check out check their, their website at northwestfilm.org. And so uh, there, there's a huge parking garage there. That parking garage has the top uh, is all open to the stars. Oh, I right. imagine that they'd be doing it up, up there. there. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. yeah, that's kind of a fun idea. Is that movie theater across the street from Lloyd still open or not? It is. It is. It is. Is that? But that parking lot is closed. The parking lot is open at the moment. And uh, how is that it's just strange? It's giant, just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Homeless encampment. Encampment is because it's got a fence around it. It's private, oh. privately. Uh, Managed. I see. Well, they I kick see, them out. I see VM. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! I was hoping for that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so there. This was a white paper that I ended up flagging. So I cut out most of the white uh, white paper. But a company, a biotech company. Uh, completed a target administration of psilocybin therapy in the world's largest study. So it's a company called Compass Pathways, and they reported that it had completed a psychocybin. How do you say that? Psilocybin. Psilocybin. Is there also a psychocylo? Is there a longer version of that? that psilocybin uh, it is usually paired with like psychedelic. Yeah, or, like mushrooms yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So they, okay. So they. The words usually come together uh, <laughs> it's some form. in the conversation. Uh, so there's 216 patients that were targeted for the phase level of treatment-resistant depression. Uh, it's the largest trial to date and could lead to the company to securing five to seven years of market uh, nice. uh, exclusivity, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, really digging in to see um, the hows and whys of how a lot of those things help in depression and mental illness and just some huge opportunities to help a lot of people. And I hope that the... The uh, old guard thought of hearing something and thinking that's always been bad. It cannot be used for good. Uh, doesn't seem to be dragging this down too much. So that's that's some good news. There's a new app. 
it's a new Shazam for birds <laughs> that will identify the birds chirping for you. And so here at this house, it's always going to be crow <laughs> right outside the window. <laughs> ah! 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 Uh, Merlin Bird ID is more than just a sound identification app, though. It's the result of tens of thousands of birds watchers and citizen scientists submitting over a million avian audio recordings to Cornell's Macaulay Library through the eBird app in just the past few years. Given the volume of data, Weber and Macaulay Library research engineer Grant Van Horn, plus other members of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, 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 the study of birds, the study of birds, wondered last summer what it would be like to create a bird song oh, identification. Sorry, this is another very long article that I just... <laughs> and that's how we got It's like it. the end of Empire Strikes Back, where it just ends mid-crisis. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, his hand is fixed. <laughs> so yeah, it's called the Merlin Bird ID app. And yeah, it, it's apparently you just hold your phone up to the crow outside your window and... But you could probably go in there and name that crow and everyone, every crow is probably different enough that if you have enough data, you can see whose house the crow is visiting every day. There's just one. Uh, and he's, he's our friend. You can hear him hop across the oh, roof yeah. as well. He like, let you and it's like, thunk. And then they, he goes for like the worms and the, or in the whatever's gutters, in yeah. the gutter and and everything and yeah they, you should be you should start leaving trinkets for him they love trinkets we, we need a show a show we crow we we would love to have a show crow <laughs> so we did put water out for the crows for the heat oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and they've been using that as well as the squirrels have been using that oh, nice. their little uh our little watering hole outside. nice that's a good idea i did that too i wasn't when i got it wasn't as hot when i got back home and then all i had was uh dead crows dead crows <laughs> uh all i had was um like banana bread size baking dishes but they were like all glass and i didn't like the water was just like boiling hot right <laughs> like so i tried birds um all right well there is rhd R- rhd bro rabbit hemorrhagic disease virus which is a fatal viral infection in rabbits and it has been found in a colony in milwaukee oregon it's highly contagious between domestic rabbits and has high mortality rates so i do know people that do have rabbits so this is of concern Mm -hmm. so the symptoms of rhd rabbit hemorrhagic disease are uh one of the symptoms is rapid death so (laughs) be on the lookout for rapid death if you if you Jeez. see your rabbit and it's dead it's suddenly <laughs> first it was alive and then it's suddenly dead it may have rabbit hemorrhagic disease wow they oh. really led with the led with the uh okay then the fever lethargy lack of appetite congested memories around the eyes nervousness lack of condition how do you diagnose nervousness in a rabbit <laughs> Uh, excitement or padding, difficulty breathing, a bloody, frothy nasal discharge. Yikes. Oh, at death. So <laughs> if they rapidly die and then have bloody, bloody frothy nasal discharge. Jeez Louise. Uh, so to prevent it, um, 
the best way to prevent to protect your rabbits is to practice strong biosecurity practices. There's no cure or treatment, although a vaccine is available under emergency authorization. Its efficiency at protecting rabbits is not well known. So that other animals must get it then if they have a vaccine that they don't know the efficacy of, which seems weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess if you're rapidly dying, they can't quick administer the vaccine. So, all right. Do you want to take this next story? Sure. <laughs> story mark. My favorite story of the week. Emergency services scrambled to save a drowning woman washed out to sea before discovering the damsel in distress was actually a discarded sex doll. And boy, did she look surprised. Uh, crowds gathered to watch the dramatic rescue of what appeared to be a woman floating the waters before the rubber sex doll was hauled out of uh, the bay in northeastern Honshu, Japan. <laughs> Which, and and so they do have some Japan. great pictures. One of them I'll try to use as a... They're all in the wrong orientation for a thumbnail, but it's all, I'll include it at least in the post I make for this because it's pretty hilarious. Them dragging this second... That first one looks like they're doing CPR on it, which <laughs> really amuses me. Uh, and so there was a Japanese YouTuber, uh, Tanaka Nat- Natsuki, who regularly shares videos visiting the local hot springs, witnessed the wacky retrieval of the dark-haired vixen. While I was filming for my uh, fishing video, I thought that a corpse had been floating by, but it turned out to be a Dutch wife. (laughs) This is my favorite detail of this story. Apparently, what they call sex dolls in Japan are Dutch wives. So... So should we go into the entomology of that? I was wondering how... How racist that is. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it's because Holland is well known for the red light district? Could be. But that's not sex doll. That's like the opposite. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So I don't know why they would be called a Dutch wife. but Dutch wife. Love it. Anyway. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, the, the pictures of that are pretty hilarious. So somebody called 911 for that. <clears throat> Anything else going on that I didn't talk about? Anything in Portland happening besides the rooftop rooftop movies at Lowell Center? Um, we have uh, our, our local Portland, um, one of our local Portland celebrities is on Netflix right now. Yes, so yes. The, the documentary of Cat People has hit the airwaves on Netflix and uh, my husband appears in the first four the, minutes. Yeah. In the first, <laughs> first frame like is the first the show. frame is like, Oh, there's Nick. There's Nick. There's no, he even made the thumbnail on one of them. <laughs> well, if you start Netflix and then pause it, Oh, that becomes, that the, becomes the new thumbnail. Oh, okay, and so okay, that's, okay. yeah. So that's why Nick okay. is in that. Um, and, uh, it's about Mosho, the cat rapper. And, uh, uh, so have you? Did you watch any of the other episodes? No, but I hear they're terrible. Okay, yeah, I have not either because I was like, "How are they going to beat this?" So yeah. I, I watched it thinking that it was going to be like they would feature six or seven kooky people, and and Mosho the cat rapper would be in there for five minutes. That whole half hour show is the just ep- about yeah, Mosho. The first first episode is Mosho. Yeah. So and it was great. I mean, if if and I I always tell this to people, Mosho is one of the most fascinating people I've ever met. Because there is not a shred of irony. There is not a shred of I'm doing this to get this to get to the next level so that I can really do that. He just is who he is and who he is 
in his videos is who he is in per and he fascinates me and his his backstory is amazing and they go into that on the show which i thought yeah. was great his mom is <clears throat> in it love her so uh yeah so check it out it's on netflix it's called cat people and the very first episode is my, and mc his wife is yep. in it as well and his little um they do like little talking head parts where he's talking about his life and it is filmed so beautifully and he looks really so was. great he's like in this awesome colorful sweater and <clears throat> like he's lit all wonderfully and yeah the production is great yeah we're and even really uh impressed. brian the you know, piper makes it in there yep. for a couple point, cameos point three seconds yeah. in in at the end wearing a cat mask on his on his unicycle so yeah that is definitely worth checking out so um I feel like I just started a series, but now I can't remember. Oh, I started watching a series on Netflix called This Is Pop. And if you're a fan of pop music, I've watched, I think, mm. two or three of them so far. It takes um, one of them is about uh, auto-tune and one of them is about, none of them are about Madonna yet. So I'm a little salty on that. But <laughs> it just kind of takes, it takes a slice of an element in pop. Oh, one of them is about uh, boy bands. I think the formation oh, wow. of boy band. And so like kind of takes a little topic kind of like that, the toys that made us. Right. Um, and so that's on Netflix and that's been pretty good. If you're a fan, of, a fan of pop music, like I am on HBO, there's a series that we, uh, that I've been watching. Nick has not been interested at all. <laughs> it's called 1971, which is the year of my birth. And it, it, uh, it really goes into detail over eight episodes an hour each of the music in 1971 that uh, that year was a turning point for a lot of of societal change in our nation as we were getting out of of, uh, Vietnam and getting ready for the Nixon, uh, you know, all, all out of the hippies the, and into the, the cynical seventies, yeah, yeah, and uh, and music was such a key component that drove a lot of the black activism, activism with uh, Marvin Gaye and, and and just all these um, uh, Ike and Tina Turner were there, and, and there were there were a lot of pivotal moments in music history. Elton John. Uh, was significant. Uh, that was kind of his dawning, and um, um, the space oddity. David uh, Bowie. David Bowie. Uh, that he arrived on the scene in 1971 okay. and arrived in. Uh, he he came to the United States in February and didn't play for anybody because nobody really wanted to hear what he had. And then he left and he came back in November with a new album that shot him through the roof and everything. Oh, wow. So uh, the Beatle or, or not the Beatles, but the members of the Beatles were really important during that phase. John Lennon came out with imagine yeah. during that period. Interesting. Cause very, it, very inter- the interesting. The seventies has probably out of all the decades, the music I like the least out of it. And right. I don't know if it's because like when you're a kid, you hate the thing that came right before you because you don't want to be that or whatever, but it's right. just that overplaying of all that classic rock and yeah. that seventies. I mean, so much of it was experimental and like yeah. sound poems. <laughs> it's like, it was crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I'm even more of a big new wave uh, 80s oh, fan. Sure. Oh, there's a whole ever. Brit pop. Well, I, get, I was saying there's a Brit pop yeah. episode, but that's about uh, Oasis and Blur <laughs> in the late 90s, <laughs> 90s the big yeah. bit, which is pretty good too. So, sweet. 
Cool. Interesting. Well, I didn't have a huge deep dive topic today, but there was an article that came out uh, from US News or from C-SPAN, actually, uh, that involved the US News and World Report. And I went to check my media bias chart just to make sure uh, what was going on, both of which uh, fall pretty uh, much in the middle, maybe a tiny bit. Uh, a tiny bit left, but still touching the little center pole uh, C- C-SPAN and um, um, U.S. News and World Report. And um, the a group of presidential historians, and they do this uh, every new administration, they update the list of uh, presidents from best to worst. And I'm not... I know, I know some history, but I mean, I'm not a huge presidential right. historian. And so like, I mean, you know, the big one, like Lincoln or whatever, right. and Nixon, because that was infamous in our time. And, but the rest of them I didn't really know about. And so I was reading the, uh, this article, which I don't have pulled up right now, but it ended cause it was, it, it was all, you know, everybody's waiting for Donald Trump to be, you know, the worst president ever. And, uh, which is not the case on this list. And we'll get to that. Um, but the article ended with like and perennial loser like that everybody always agrees on James Buchanan still last. (laughs) And I was like, you know, wow. And I know just because it was in my lifetime, I feel like it was more turbulent or more whatever. And like, but really what are we looking at when we see kind of what uh, the chaos, good or bad, however you feel about it, it was a chaotic administration and to see what that looks like in historical context. So I thought I would go into a little bit about James Buchanan, but also some of the other, um, some of the other from maybe the, the, the bottom five or bottom 10 and just kind of give some context to it. So many of these that are in the bottom 10 include like James Buchanan, Andrew Johnson, Frank, Franklin Pierce, um, John Tyler, all of the Millard Fillmore, all of them are presidents leading up to the Civil War. And so that is obviously a time of tension, a time that the country is breaking apart. Many of those presidents were in favor of slavery and continually passing things to keep slavery going, um, which is why, of course, Abraham Lincoln always gets number one because of how he handled the Civil War and all of that and and Reconstruction and all of that. But James Buchanan just always like, it's more, it's more than that. And so I kind of went on a little dive and I even watched this little video from the James Buchanan museum. And it's like one of those, like the ladies dressed up in like 1800s or whatever. And like, they all know they're like not defending and they're like, yeah, yeah, he was probably considered the worst and, but still giving that historic, which is very cute to see. Um, so the story of, of James Buchanan is interesting because out of all our presidents, he has probably been the most qualified that we've ever had because <laughs> he was um, he was a um, what what do you call what do you call it when you go military to military veteran? Well, a military veteran. He was uh, in the Senate and he was he had um, in, he was in Congress and he was ambassador. That's the word oh, that okay. I couldn't think of. Um, he was ambassador for us. So he was very, very qualified for what he was going to do. But when he gets into the presidency, um, he is right. And I pulled up my chronological list here. So James Buchanan is president from, um, where am I? 1857 to 1861. So he is directly before Abraham Lincoln. Uh, James Buchanan only serves one 
one um, term, which was both kind of self-decided. I don't think he wanted two terms, but um, also decided for him because he didn't get his party's nomination. But the the things that are happening during Buchanan's administration um, are not just this the the South and the North arguing about slavery. The South is wanting to add Nebraska and Kansas and all of these states into the union to make them slave states so that the slave states will have more power in their voting and stuff like that. James Buchanan is very apologetic to that. The Dred, uh, Dred Scott case, which was obviously a huge, uh, huge case in which uh, freed slaves or escaped slaves or even um, African-Americans in the North could be returned to their slave owners in the South, which was ratified um, two days after James Buchanan takes um, takes office. He was a proponent of it. He argued for it. So we have that Dred Scott case, which is just another gigantic wedge because in that it says black people are not able to vote and there is nothing they could ever do about it in the law. So in order to overturn that, you need to have a constitutional amendment which he opposed to and many of the other uh, people off the list um, also fought against the, the four, I think it's the 14th Amendment. Um, and so the Dred Scott case, then in uh, Kansas and Nebraska territory, uh, which is called the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854, Kansas and Nebraska were trying to figure out, are they going to be a slave state? There, of course, were people that didn't want it, and there were people that did want it. I think at the time, there was a total of six slaves in this territory, but it became this battleground state of, if we can install this state as a slave state, it gives us more governing power in the Union, blah, blah, blah. So half of Kansas, this half of that territory drafts a state constitution, uh, pro-slavery, Half of it, um, I don't know if it was half and half, but another constitution is drafted against slavery. Uh, Through all of this machinations and probably some bribery, the pro-slavery constitution is accepted by the Senate and ratified into into their state. So that causes a huge amount of problems. Um, And through most of this argument for slavery, James Buchanan's stance was... I have no power to do anything. I am the executive branch. I do this. I stay in this tiny, tiny pigeonhole. I, I can't speak out about it. I can't do anything about it. The Constitution doesn't give me any power to. So he excuses himself from a lot of this stuff, but still involving him in things like the Kansas-Nebraska Act uh, and all that. So he finally gets into the White House during all of this which is just exploding and it's both his his um apolog- uh, apologetics to the south for what they want and his basic inaction is what always gets him to the complete bottom of the list for presidents so and it's it's so funny because it is like usually in top you know top whatever lists nobody can can agree on anything everyone agrees that James Buchanan <laughs> was the worst president. So, um, so I'll start. Um, I was I was also surprised. So I'll read the top uh, maybe ten first. Okay. So Abraham Lincoln number one, George Washington number two, Franklin D. Roosevelt is number three. Though uh, the top five, or almost the top six, are pretty much the same. Uh, did I send you? The, 
This no. link? Oh, I oh. think there might be one at the bottom of the oh, thing yeah, if you yeah, wanted yeah. to there, look along. There is, there is. Um, I don't know which link I put in there. So Franklin Roosevelt, then Theodore Roosevelt, then Harry S. Truman, then back to Thomas Jefferson. So we have a lot of 19 or 20th century ones and founding fathers because then it goes Jefferson back to Eisenhower. And then at number eight is Ronald Reagan. And I was really intrigued by that because I know Reagan has kind of a contentious history. You know, obviously he helped take down the Soviet bloc and the, and the, and the Berlin wall and all of that, but also a lot of his economic and, and social stuff has been hugely catastrophic. So I was intrigued that this list, um, and it is pretty, is, is pretty agreed on that. He's kind of up there. So I was interested to find him at number eight, right before John F. Kennedy, and coming in at number 10 is Barack Obama, which I'm sure is going to make a lot of people very happy <laughs> to yes. see that he was in the top 10. Um, then the middle chunk is a lot of like James Monroe and James K. Polk mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, all of those. Uh, number 21 is or excuse me, number 20 is uh, Bill Clinton and number 21 is George H.W. Bush. So Bush the first uh, at 21 Bush the second comes down at number 29 um, and he's under people like Gerald Ford and Grover Cleveland and James Garfield. Um, but right under Bush is Jimmy Carter. Sadly, sadly also agreed on that uh, while one of the most amazing human beings that has ever been around, he was not uh, a great president. So boy, this chair, Sorry, I'm gonna have to oil it. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So Jim Carter, then we get some like Rutherford B. Hayes and Martin Van Buren and um, Richard Nixon uh, coming in at 40, uh, 35, excuse me. Uh, then we in the so the bottom 10 seems to be, let's see, Richard Nixon, Millard Fillmore, Warren G. Harding, which Warren G. Harding, I have a little list here. So let's go through some little factoids about uh, some of these. So we had James Buchanan. Uh, Andrew Johnson, um, who survived impeachment after opposing Reconstruction. So he was the president after Lincoln um, and was only president for a little bit. He was the, he was one where there wasn't a clear constitutional line of like, well, what happens if the president doesn't survive? And he had to kind of work his way into saying, I'm going to take the reins of this and I have full powers of the presidency. And so that became... Uh, the thing that we do if somebody doesn't survive their their um, their office term. So uh, Franklin Pierla, William Henry. Oh, I'll get to William Henry Harrison because he was my favorite. <laughs> so uh, Warren G. Harding, who was president in uh, 1923. And so he was um, presidential term from 21 to 23. Harding was an avid golfer and poker player who his administ- administration is perhaps remembered from its litany of corruption and scandals. <laughs> so he was... <coughs> One of those people who uh, started some business and wanted to thought he was better than everyone else. Uh, he just was his own, had his own vision, but was just busy, busied himself with golf, poker, his mistresses, while his appointees and cronies plundered the U.S. government in a variety of creative <laughs> ways. Um, his secretary of the interior allowed oilmen for an under the table sum just happened to government oil reserves, including one in teapot dome, which was a huge scandal during his presidency. Um, let's see after a decade later, let's see, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, he was, he was kind of the 19th. 
the 100 years ago of now, uh, as far as scandals and, and, and all of that was Warren G. Harding. Um, the rest of them, like I said, were mostly lead up to the civil war of, um, uh, the people that, that were fighting to keep slavery legal and the South appeased. So, um, Donald Trump on this list, the one that was compiled by historians, the presidential historians and through C-SPAN and, um, the U S news and world report is, Number 42 out of 44. So he is third from the bottom. The bottom is James Buchanan, Andrew Johnson, and Donald J. Trump. And then they kind of go and they, the categories that they, that they use to measure this, there looks like there's about eight of them. So there's public persuasion, crisis leadership, economic management, moral authority, international relations, administration, uh, administrative skills, relation with Congress, vision slash setting an agenda, Pursuing equal justice for all and performance within context of their times are the different categories. And so um, he did score the absolute lowest, uh, an 18.7 out of a possible 100 for moral authority. So (laughs) (laughs) we've got that going for us. So it was kind of an interesting, I watched a couple little videos on some of these lesser known or, or this kind of era of presidents that have been historically, uh, especially revisited in, in the recent decades. And, um, it's just interesting to see that there have only been 45 people or 44 because, um, who was it? Garfield, I think. Um, served two non-consecutive right. um, uh, terms. So four, only 44 people have had that job, which is just so interesting to think about and just to kind of see it all laid out and who falls in that forgotten middle and who gets to the extreme ends. And so an interesting little dive. If you want to do more, there's mm. some fun little slideshows that kind of give you little little things about what was happening at the time and a couple of YouTube videos that that show a little more history of these. So interesting, interesting. Another five years, it'll be 250 years. Wow. Wow. If we make it that far. We've made it that far. (laughs) We are still a little baby country in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, Oh, uh, one other thing about, um, in that we act like babies (laughs) and we act, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like in, in historic, in a historic context, we're still like, teenagers right as far as like how countries work so it's i guess we're on (laughs) we're on brand for how we're acting but um zachary or not zachary taylor james buchanan was also the only president that has that was never married so he his niece came in and kind of fulfilled the the first lady duties but he had a he was engaged oh there's to say something positive about uh, James Buchanan, he apparently threw really great parties, so awesome. he had that going for him. Uh, he was very um, open, and he he was gregarious and, and stuff like that, which is why he was also an ambassador to places. Um, he was he was a self made man. He didn't come from any money. He um, had businesses that he built up himself, and then uh, got to elected office. He was engaged to um, to some lady that was the daughter of someone or other. And there's not a lot of detail about what happened, but um, they broke up and then the fiance, she mysteriously died. It kind of looked like a suicide, but then he kind of never 
was interested <laughs> and then he wanted to come to the funeral or something and like the father-in-law or the father-in-law to be like forbade him so oh, don't really know what happened there but yeah he was <clears throat> single and of course there was lots of room especially back then lots of rumors <clears throat> about confirmed bachelors and all of that little jokes because he had um friends that he lived with which was also normal at the time right. but all of that so but yeah just an interesting tidbit that he is the only the only president that uh was never married so hmm. There's a little bit about that, which brings me to a dead stop. <laughs> um, yeah. I did have, I was going to say, I had one thing that I wanted to, to play us out with, which is um, the... What, Animaniacs? It is not an Animaniacs. It is uh, the Simpsons song about the mediocre presidents, oh. which is amazing. <laughs> and it's the only reason I know the tidbit. And it's funny to look back. I'm going to see what number he is. Um, William Henry Harrison, who is, where is he at in this list? Oh, he is uh, like fifth. One, two, three, four, five. So he's fifth from the bottom. William Henry Harrison. Uh, spent 30 days in office because he had the longest, the record-breaking inauguration speech that went on for like three hours and he caught pneumonia and died in 30 days. So, but the only reason I know that is from this great Simpson song that I'll sing at the, uh, that I'll play at the end about um, mediocre presidents, which is so genius, especially this, the joke that, um, that uh, principal Skinner says at the beginning. But before I do that, Mark, is there anything else to talk about? I don't think so. It's been fun. It has. It has been nice to get back. Uh, we'll be doing Portland at the movies again in the next couple of weeks or something like that. But hopefully we'll both have, I'll be in and out. Uh, ooh, I'm going on vacation next month to Mo Clips, Washington, which is on the Olympic Peninsula on the beach somewhere. So huh. doing that as my family vacation fun. this year. So, but until then... Hopefully we'll be able to get together again. I'm going to take the new carnivorous plant that Nick gave me, which is called a sundew that looks kind of like antlers, but they've got little sticky hairs on them that bugs get caught in. Yeah. So very excited about that. But all right, then I'm going to play mediocre presidents and then we will be done with it and talk to everyone later. Yay. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> evening, everyone. And welcome to a wonderful evening of theater and picking up after yourselves. <laughs> I love that joke. We begin with a tribute to our lesser-known presidents. We are the mediocre presidents. You won't find our faces on dollars or on cents. There's Taylor, there's Tyler, there's Fillmore, and there's Hayes. There's William Henry Harrison. I died in 30 days! <laughs> <laughs>